0: Coming to another podcast with Sammy Rai. Wake up. Hope you're having a great morning. Hope you're having that energy fusing through your body, right? Do you have to get your coffee in? You know, I like to do sometimes, like to hold my breath and tighten up all my muscles and my whole entire body. Ugh. I learned that from DDP Yoga. If you guys never tried DDP Yoga, um, you guys got to go ahead and give that a shot. There's a lot of free videos on YouTube for it. Um, Yeah, man, he has this thing called, like, ignition. It's like one pose you can do. And uh, it's better than coffee. And I still drink coffee sometimes. But, like, you can, like, wake up right in your bed. And you can literally wake yourself up in, like, 30 seconds by doing this pose anyway. Uh, Yes, check out DDP Yoga. And thank you for coming into another podcast this week. Now, this week I wanted to do some reflection. I wanted you to reflect. I want to reflect. I want to go back and and kind of go over some of the stories I would tell my kids. Some of the stories, if I said, hey, you know, what are some things that you would look back on your life and say those are some moments you were proud of or you were happy of or you would hope those stories kind of live on. Maybe your kids tell your kids or their grandkids or your grandkids, whatever, right? Some stories that get passed down about, you know, who... Who was Samurai, right? Uh, who was Luis of Roman, right? That's my real name. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I don't know what my kids would call me. My uh, my daughter calls me Samurai a lot, so maybe she might do that. But my son probably be like, yeah, Luis, <laughs> right? I don't know. It's kind of a different vibe. But, um, yeah, what are some stories that you have in your life that if you think back on them, you know, if you only had like four or five stories, what are some of the ones that you would want to tell people and have those passed down? I think it's good to reflect on that stuff for yourself so you can kind of remind yourself. It's not about living in the past, right? Being stuck in the past. I'm always focused on art and business and moving forward and, and like that growth kind of stuff, that Gary V kind of stuff, that David Goggins kind of stuff, right? Trying to be the best you moving forward and stuff. But I do think there is some value sometimes in stopping and taking some inventory Looking back at some of those past moments, just to remind yourself of, you know, the confidence you should have because there were times that you succeeded, right, before the Internet, before you had all these gurus and mentors teaching you. If you had any moments where you just succeeded on your own, your gut instinct, that should remind you that you win, right? You are a winner. You have some wins. You have things that should have broke you, some things that you might have been even happy that you just did, some ideas you came up with that you were happy with. Um, it could have been like a school project or something like that that you were impressed with or, you know, it, little moments, a, something a nice teacher might have said to you or something like that. Right. There's all these little things in life. I think if you stop and look back on that are touchstones, they they meant something to you for some reason. Right. I think that's something that we can look at and take that energy and then you should, you know, use it in a positive way to move forward, right? It isn't always about, you know, living in the past or reliving glory days. People kind of like crap on that, right? Um, but I mean, it's energy there. And if it's positive energy, that's better than, you know, turning on the news and seeing some current random crap that might have your spirits down for the day or, you know, give you more of that negativity you got to push through. Why not on occasion take a little trip down memory lane and that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're doing today with the words of the week. I want you guys to take time to reconnect with the past. That's what we're doing. We're just going home. We're taking a little trip back down memory lane. We're going to go see how everyone's doing just for a minute, right? This is not something, again, to to dwell on, but just thinking about where did you come from? What are some things that you've accomplished? Remember who you are in those moments. I mean, even things that you've learned from, right? Take some time to reconnect with your past. And that's what I'm gonna do this week. We're gonna go over some stories, like the time I met Miss Universe when Mrs. Puerto Rico won Miss Universe. That was a fun story for me in third grade. If you know me, you know that story. If you never heard, stay tuned. Um, And then I'm gonna go ahead and talk about what it was like when I won class president. I was not Mr. Popular. Um, and how that happened was a very unusual way that someone would win class president. I think that's a story people will enjoy. If you never met me, you don't know. I think when I tell that story to people who first meet me, they always love it. Uh, Then we'll do a little commercial break. Then I'm going to get into how I started making music. What was that process like? Being young, making music, doing that for 10 years. Before I got into really film and stuff like that, I mean, technically, I, I was writing and doing things with film when I was younger, but it was very, very amateurish. Really, I have to say music is kind of what I first really got into. Um and then finally I'll wrap it up with the time I had a stunt team, right? We put together a stunt team um to help out a friend. And that was a very odd, different kind of experience. I don't think most people have that, oh yeah, remember right the time I put together a stunt team story. Um and these are just all things before I'm like twenty-five, right? There's a lot of my earlier stuff that I don't think about anymore. But I think it'd be fun to share those stories, how those things happened, how those things ended, Um, because I talk a lot about film and screenwriting and things I'm more into now. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting things, and when I tell those stories to people, they seem to like it. So we're going to do that this week on the podcast. I thought that'd be fun. And if you already heard these stories before, maybe you just want to hear them again, right? Maybe I hung out in a few years, you haven't seen me. Uh, People always like these stories, and these are kind of things we're going to go over this week. So we're going to go back to what I said. The first thing, meeting Miss Universe. I was in third grade and I was in a program called Network 3 from McGraw School. This is in Camden, New Jersey. Network 3, if you ever heard of it, it was a drug awareness program. And this is back in the 90s. You know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, drugs on the street and stuff like that. It was an issue, especially in the city. And I was in third grade, and there was a program called Network Three. And when I first joined the program, I just had heard that, um, you know, they got to go on like free field trips, like expensive field trips, places. You know, they would ride in like nice buses, and it would go to Washington D.C. It might meet like break like presidents or something like that, right? They they kind of said like, yeah, like being in this program was really really good reason to like not do drugs, right? Talk about not doing drugs and all these things, um. Great program. I don't think it's around anymore. It might have changed or something like that. They used to do a lot of things with Dare. Dare was another like uh, popular program back in the nineties. So I, I joined the program, and um, one of the people who ran the program was a very nice gentleman who was kind of a mentor. Definitely, you know, saw me. I think he knew my mother um, from back in school, and you know, he definitely would look and say, "Hey, like, do you want to do something?" And a lot of kids are shy in third grade. And I don't think I was really that shy. I wasn't that outgoing. I wasn't like Mr. Popular. But, I mean, I if you said, hey, you want to try something, I'd be like, okay, to some degree, right? I mean, I don't know. But um, I, the, I got into public speaking, right? They needed people to, like, sometimes speak and represent the school, read a speech, try to say something. And if, I guess for third grade, that is something that is kind of difficult. Again, things that you might not really... Take uh, full appreciation of When I was in third grade I didn't realize it was special Looking back I'm like a lot A lot of people didn't go through That kind of situation A lot of people didn't want to do it Um, I think there was like one girl Who also sometimes Would like do speeches with us But a lot of times They kept coming to me And handing me the ball And I would do it so I did a few little things, little speakings here and there at schools, kind of just saying whatever the message with the school was. It wasn't like me saying my message. They would write me a little speech or something. I would practice or whatever. Um, it was really cool because I'm Puerto Rican, right? I'm Puerto Rican, and I believe I'm also Irish. I don't really know my, my father, right? Um I think uh, your ancestry DNA is like European. Right. So I'm pretty sure it's like uh, English or something like that. I don't know. But being Puerto Rican at the time, I I was like fully Puerto Rican because my mentality, um, I didn't know my father. I I thought my father was Puerto Rican also. Basically, Um, all this stuff matters to the story because Mrs. Puerto Rico had won uh, Miss Universe. Right. And that was huge. And in, in Canada, New Jersey, there's a lot of people here, some melting pot. But I do feel like there's a really strong Puerto Rican population or it might have been that I was in third grade and like my family was all Puerto Rican. So it seemed like everyone was Puerto Rican or a lot of people were Puerto Rican, basically. Um, but it was huge that she won and she was coming to Canada, New Jersey, out of all the places in the world um, to come talk and like, I don't know, come visit us or whatever. It was like a big honor. Right. And we never had anyone come to Canada, New Jersey I think the only other equivalent was, like, Bill Clinton, when he was the president, once drove through um, Candom to go to Philadelphia. And, like, that was such a big deal. They spent all this money remodeling this strip of highway so, it, like, it looked nice because Candom looked horrible. Um, and I, don't, I didn't even see the like, car. All you could do is, like, see the car drive by maybe. We didn't go see it. But I lived right next to the highway. Um, and I think I missed it. I, didn't, I don't know. I don't even know. It's such a weird thing to be excited for. Like, the president's going to drive by in a car. You might know he's in one of those cars. Isn't that cool? Like, that was the highlight. So, when Miss Universe was like, I'm going to come to your school and, like, hang out with you guys all day, that was huge, right? She was Miss Universe, and it made it extra special that she was Miss Puerto Rico. So, all the schools sent people. McGraw turned to Network 3 to send people, um, and then I'm like, the guy, right? And I speak English, but I understand Spanish. So, if you speak to me in Spanish, I can almost understand, like, 95% of everything you say, right? Um... And that's cuz I grew up in a household where my grandparents spoke Spanish like pretty much 95% of the time, right? They knew very few English words, so I understood them, but I didn't speak it back. They understood me when I spoke it back even though they, they didn't speak English really well. So they come to me, I'm young, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to do this speech." And wouldn't it be cool, right? Cuz they they no one else they thought we're going to was going to do this if you could do it in Spanish, right? Cuz she's from from Puerto Rico, her first language was Spanish. Um, and they're like, that would be like a big honor to show her that we like put in that kind of effort. Right. And that was a bit of a daunting task because I don't speak Spanish. Right. I knew some words and everything, but to memorize a speech and to do it well in third grade, right. Like I have homework to do. I have other things to do. I'm a kid. Um, this is one of the first times that anyone came to me. I I can think one of my earliest memories of presenting me with a a significant challenge and me not knowing what it was going to be like. So I do remember vividly um, you know, my grandmother and my mother, I think helped write the speech. I think that the school gave us some, some points they wanted to hit, but, um, they figured out how to write the speech and then I had to memorize it. So I, I inevitably, one day I get into doing music and, you know, doing five minute songs or whatever, but this is, this is way before then, right? I'm in third grade. I had to memorize a speech in Spanish. Um, and not only memorize it, but like, Eventually, I had to start understanding the words and understanding what I was saying. So, I didn't like learn Spanish, I, but I did learn the speech and I understood the speech and how it should go. So, as I'm doing this, I'm just thinking it's just another one of these speaking things. It's not really that big of a deal. Why would it be a big deal, right? You go to a lot of auditoriums as a kid and no one cares if you're like on stage talking. It's a very, maybe some like polite claps and stuff, but no one really cares. So we go to this school. Um, I think it's Pine Point, and all the all the schools are sending people, right? So it, it's packed. The whole place is packed. Lots of people from the neighborhood get, getting in there. It's packed everywhere. Like this, the whole auditorium is like overflowing with people. People are in the aisles. I remember like to even get up to the stage. She had like security on stage, um, and we we're like standing in the aisles because all the seats are packed. And like we we're like like sardines. I remember like kids in front of me, kids in back of me. Um, and we're, like, going all out like the hallway, basically, in this long, long line. Everyone's trying to go up there and give her gifts, and, um, every, I think you, you can go up there, and all the kids could, like, say hi and meet her, um, and then, like, somebody from the school would, would say something. So, like, I'm there with, like, 30 kids, probably. They're gonna all meet her, and then, like, after we all go up, um, I'm, I'm gonna also, like, go, like, to the podium and, and speak. So, I'll never forget this. This is a defining moment in my life, where... I, I'm on a stage, which I'm not. I'm, I'm used to it. I walk up to the podium. I'm used to that. And I look out into that crowd, and I say "buenos noches," which is good night in Spanish. And when I say "buenos noches," the entire building erupted. Right, everyone was screaming, hollering, cheering, clapping. I am not exaggerating. I was not prepared for that. Just two words. As a third grader, the entire building was set on fire because they were so excited that I, right, this little white-looking kid, right? But um, I don't know how Puerto Rican I looked at the time, I guess. But I started, I say, buenos noches, and they lose their minds. And like a pro, I take my pause, and I am in awe. I never will forget how that crowd looked. Um, a man, it was amazing. What an amazing sensation for a kid to experience, right? And it didn't even phase me, I didn't have stage fright. I was, I was like, wow. And then, like a pro, I was very calm and I did my speech perfectly. And the whole time, they were they calmed down to listen to me, but they were still like every once in a while, like you know, yelling out and they were super hyper. And once the speech was done big standing ovation kind of thing. I got off the podium, went up, and I remember I gave her a kiss on the cheek, or she kissed me on the cheek, something like that, and I was the man. It was awesome. Walking down into the crowd, everyone was touching me, clapping, and stuff like that. Um, oh my god, my school, and the people who ran Network 3, and the mentor, they were all extremely proud, and that was awesome, man. Having put in that hard work, and seeing it pay off, to that degree was something I could never have hoped for or planned for. Um, but again, that if I look back and say, well, later on, you know, a story I'll get into is when I was class president or I started doing music or I started doing a podcast. Right. It, all that kind of starts there. Right. When I'm seeing, oh, like this helps build identity. Right. For a child. Right. And I think that's something why it's important when people give their kids, you know, the opportunity to join a sport or to, you know, be in ballet or whatever they want to do, you know, introducing the art. Those things are cool because it helps a kid if they find their passion, if they find their interest, they can find something to to hold on to, right? And when everything else isn't working out, they have that, right? I mean, I love that when I started doing the podcast, it was kind of document document my film journey and everything I'm doing right now with film. But it's become a whole other thing where I realized like, oh, this is a return to something else I also love doing. I also love talking and telling stories, working on talking. I do practice how I talk. I do try to get better at podcasting. Um, yes, I used to practice the the speech in that situation. Now I do more, like, outlines. I don't write the whole podcast out or anything like that. Um, and then I even like to do my special episodes. Like I did the, the episode on um, – the founder and i'm going to do i'm working on one for wolf of wall street i've been talking about for a few weeks it might be out already i'm not sure but when, when this one this podcast comes out versus that one i might get it done tomorrow i don't know but for the wolf and wall street one i'm really planning it or oh, the founder i did like this uncut three hour podcast which i thought was it has its value but i thought that was too much i want to keep wolf and wall street to like 60 minutes um and I, i've been working on that for months just really trying to think of how can i be as engaging as possible. And I like to do that, right? So the other podcasts just have short outlines I go off of. But it all starts there, third grade, right? Some the adult coming to me and and putting some faith in me and giving me the opportunity. And luckily, I had my mom my grandmother who supported me, and they helped. Um, and then, you know, all those other adults acknowledging me and, and cheering on, all that stuff built a foundation there, planted that seed at least. that would later manifest into other ways, right? I went on in Network 3 to do a few more speeches. I was only in that school for a year. Um, And then I I went to another school. They didn't have Network 3, and that was kind of the end of that. Which is also a sad thing if you think about it, because that's also something that happens, right? You're going to a class, you're going to a school. For some reason, sometimes that, that ends prematurely, and then you don't realize, oh, if I would have did that a few more years, who knows where that would have went. Maybe that's the reason that you might, you might want to go back and visit one of those things. If you have something for your childhood that you never really got to see all the way through, maybe there's something you want to go back and try that out, right? Think about that, right? That's why it's important, like I said this week, to reconnect with your past and see if there's anything there missing that maybe... You know, you would like to maybe invest in more. The next story, fast forward to senior year, right? I'm 17, 18, basically. Um, A story people tend to like is the time I became class president. Now, you might think, since I'm telling these stories back to back, that this is like all I'm doing. No, not at all. actually, after Network 3 in third grade... There's, no, there's nothing to talk about for the next, what is that, 3, 12, 7 years? Wait, uh, oh yeah, I can do math. Hold on. 9 years. For the next 9 years, there's nothing. I don't do any public speaking. Um, I, At some point, I started writing poetry, um, but that was private. And then I kind of started talking to my friend about doing music, which I'll get into after the commercial. But... There isn't really anything going on so much. I'm I'm just a regular guy in school. Nothing, I'm not on a sports team, I'm not really doing anything, you know? And I had a friend, a great friend. I still have a friend, right? Um, Sammy Sanchez. If he's out there listening, that'd be awesome, right? I don't know if Sammy listens to the podcast. Um, but Sammy was a great guy, and everyone loves Sammy, right? Um, it's kind of ironic that I'm Sammy Rye now, right? It's my alias I go by, but he's the real Sammy Sanchez. Um that, but that's kind of funny saying that like that, like saying Sammy two times. Anyway, uh, Sammy Sanchez was going to run for class president. And me and my friend Gregory, who were friends with Sammy, were all for it. And I think we were like joking about like we were his cabinet, right? Like we were going to help him run or whatever. Um, and we were at, that, in high school, that didn't mean that we had much to do. I think we we're just hanging out and supporting him and cheering him on. Um, so for one reason or the other, Sammy isn't able to run for class president. And he's running against another person that we know. Um, I think it was Tyree Williams. I believe another student named Michael. And I, I know there was two more students. I think, but Sammy had to drop out, or he couldn't do it. So it was disheartening because me and Greg were excited about that. It was our senior year, and we wanted to see Sammy win. And then he couldn't. He, he wasn't going to be able to even be involved in it, right? So I was in a situation where. I I thought back maybe. I don't know if I did, honestly. I don't know what really made me think about it. I know I went down to the guidance counselor and I said, hey, like, well, like, could I run? Like, what do you have to do? What's that really involved? Something was itching at me to do it. And I was taking an entrepreneurship class and I was actually thinking about music. I was in an entrepreneurship class at the time, my senior year, thinking about opening a business um, or at least coming up with a fake business of how you would have, like, a record studio that would be like McDonald's, right? I wanted to... Take the record studio that's like, you know, invisible in your city somewhere, right? Guys are recording music, who knows? And I thought, financially, how can we get this to a place where people could come in and for what's like the lowest price they could pay, where they could record a demo? This is the 90s, or actually this is like 2003. So at the time, you know, 8 Mile had come out, right? Like people were talking about demos and stuff like that. Hip-hop is, is, is exploding, it's very, really huge um, we one of the best eras in hip hop. You know, Jay Z's on the radio, Eminem, DMX—they're on the radio with all their hit albums. And I'm—I just decided to go talk to the guidance counselor, who I was really close with. I—I love my guidance counselor in high school. Um, great, great lady, Miss Fleg. Um, awesome, awesome guidance counselor. Definitely, at least for me, was very important in my life and helped me as a child, um, or young, young adult or whatever. Yes, yeah, so I'm. I go to her. I say, "What would be involved?" You know, Gregory had no interest in running. I don't think. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll run like in Sammy's place. Right. I'll try. And I didn't think anyone really would vote for me and stuff because I was not again, popular. I think Sammy was more popular. Sammy was super cool. Um, I always thought Sammy was super cool. Very well dressed. I, I got like my clothes, my, my gear game up. I got, got into clothes this year and as a senior, I was working at a clothing store. Um, so I was like, well, maybe, maybe I could try. I don't know. Right. And I didn't think much of it. And, I mean, this is different to me. First time I think I told this story publicly outside of my close circle of friends. But we're going to be honest here. We're going to spill some tea, right? Um, I decided to run, and I went back to my class, and I said, you know, I'm going to run. And people had heard about that. They're like, oh, I'm, I announced, like, yeah, I'm going to run for class president. And people in the class were kind of like, oh, cool, like, yay, whatever, right? Like, not they're just being polite. And then I heard someone say in the room, oh, Well, I guess anybody can run now. And that pissed me off. (laughs) Ooh, that made me quite upset. I took very personal offense to that. Because, again, I'm not Mr. Popular and all. But to look down on me, that put me into fight mode, right? And I'm not a fighter. I'm a more calm person. But Samurai has inside of him a liger, a beast that doesn't typically come out. I don't like when it comes out. I try to not deal with that side of me and, you know, who I am as a person. I think I'm born with it. It's an anger thing that can really, really, you know, make itself present. And that set me on fire, right? I said, oh, okay. Now, you know, I was curious about this, but now you have my full undivided attention, I'm going to do everything in my power to win this this election now. Right. So I'm going up against a few people and I go into full thinking mode again. I'm looking back on my life now, which I hope you guys do, too, when you have a chance to do it and realizing what did I do? What really happened here? What are some takeaways? Right. And I go into full, clever thinking mode. Every single thing I could think of, I'm doing it. I had no money. Some people I run against had some money. Um, so they were like buying like, like artwork and, um, putting up, you know, ads and, you know, all that kind of stuff, buttons. I don't know if they got buttons per per se, but it was that kind of stuff where you would come to school and people were like legit campaigning and I had no money. Um, Sammy's helping me and Greg is helping me. Right. So now they're, they're helping me. I'm kind of running in Sammy's place. So I'm hoping that helps. Right. I'm hoping Sammy gets the word out. Hey, if you're going to vote for me, you know, vote for Lou. Um, and then Greg is helping and stuff. Um, but I remember one of the the best things I did was one of my, one of my, um, people I was running against, they had commissioned like a a piece of artwork and like hung it in the main hall. It was a big piece of artwork or something like that. And uh, people who know me, you know who that person was and much respect. I have much love for that person. This is not a negative story towards that person and out of respect for them. I won't mention their name, but if you're close and you know who it was, again, I'm not saying this in, in any ill way. I love that person. Um, and, that um yeah we we have to get into that on the podcast um but that it was the time and we we're running against each other It's a competition we're playing a game of basketball right it's a sport here right this is we're just doing our best that person wants to win i want to win people want to win right and i'm 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 engaged at this point so they're making their moves and they have their resources i'm making my moves and i'm using my mind and my wit that's all i have at this point basically <laughs> um yeah so I remember the, one of the innovative things I did, which I was really happy with, was they, they put up this nice picture. And they they told everyone how much it cost to get made and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, that's one of those moments where I could fold. I'm like, well, like I don't have any money. I don't have all these nice things and stuff. And this point in my life is a little bit, I guess, not, not tougher. I don't know. It's just regular life. And I go down to the school library. I say, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And my whole campaign became, um, instead of being about me, I wanted to make it about the people, right? I went that route. So, was, so I came up with a slogan, when you vote for me, you vote for you. So I went down to the library. I got a white, regular white piece of paper. I went to like Microsoft Word, and I put a little square box, a thin black line, and in the middle of it said, your picture here, right? <laughs> on a white piece of paper. And on the bottom of it, it was like, you know, uh, Luis Santiago for class president. When you vote for me, you vote for you. And I printed up like 50 of those and hung them all over the school and people were loving it. They were, they thought it was hilarious. It was such a spit in the face to the other, you know, spending a bunch of money kind of thing and that kind of campaigning. That got people excited. And then, you know, this being me, one thing I had going for me is I was able to talk to everybody, right? People were cliquish in high school, but I kind of could just hang out and just talk to people. I didn't really, I wasn't Mr. Popular, but I, I can go into the different cliques. I could talk to them, even if some people in that clique didn't like me. I could still talk to probably someone in that clique who didn't hate me. And I could walk up to any lunch table, that kind of thing, and just chat with people if I wanted to. I wasn't like Mr. Social going around doing this on purpose. But if I needed to, I was comfortable in my own skin to go up and talk to someone. And most people didn't have a reason to hate me. Um, I guess some people would look down at me and thought I was nobody, which is fine because I probably was nobody. Um, But that was my whole campaign then. I said, fine, I'll be the nobody campaign, right? That's what I'll do. And people really liked that. And speech time came, right? And we had to write our own speeches. And I wrote a speech, and we had to get them approved by guidance. And I did the whole classic TV move where I wrote a speech that they approved, and I didn't tell that speech, right? Um, so I knew I can get in trouble. I get suspended maybe or whatever, but I gambled on myself. And I gave them like a standard kind of speech. And then what I did was during the, the election when we're actually going to vote, I go up and I do the whole, you know, I have a speech, but I'm not going to read from it. I don't think I actually said that. But I think I looked at the speech for a second, put it down, and every I just looked at the crowd, and started talking to them. And I remember that some of the takeaways from that speech was really just me saying to people, like, "Hey, like, you know, you guys all know me. We're all cool. I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think that you know I'm more important than you. I'm here just because I want everyone to have a good year." And I highlighted, you know, what we all had went through at that age. At that age, you know, there were some things that happened to you know our kids growing up. We're like, the state had changed some tests on us. We were, like, the first person to take these, like, these other, like, extra hard tests. We had to study way extra, the special classes we had to take. Um, Some of us were, like, you know, in danger getting left back, which, you know, no one ever thought that was going to happen. They weren't going to graduate and stuff, and they were, like, in crunch time trying to, like, take these other classes to make up credits and stuff. And they were, these are people that are our friends, you know, and I talked about all the real stuff that's going on, and I, I really wanted – us to do the best we could to enjoy the year, and that's what I would do it for. I, I had no intention of going to college, which I mentioned, and a lot of people want to become class president to boost their resume to go to college, but I wasn't interested in that, and I, I said that. I said, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you guys, and that's what I want to do. I want to be like a public servant kind of thing. And I do my speech. I speak from the heart. None, none, of the, none of the teachers are upset. I didn't get in trouble for her. I didn't say anything bad or vulgar or anything like that. Um, they all love the speech. And I went and sat down, and everyone casted their votes, and I honestly wasn't really sure what happened. I wanted to win, because that would be the the good end to that story, right, for me, because I felt like I was the person who was the underdog, and they put me down, but I'm aware it's real life, and honestly, like I said, I wasn't Mr. Popular. I didn't have a lot of resources, so I didn't, like, know I won, um, but I remember when they announced the win, you know, they go up there, they read who it is. And when they said my name, I think they might have said my first name. Before they even got to my last name, I exploded. I think I jumped out of the air, like from my chair, and there's like a fist pump, like literally. And I screamed. And when I screamed again, just like in third grade, the entire auditorium erupted. All these kids were completely happy for me. They were happy, I guess, maybe also for them. They all cheered. They all clapped, at least everyone I could see. If anybody was mad, I didn't see them. Um, And it was an amazing moment. Everyone's high-fiving me. All my peers, who, again, we hadn't been that close, and we hadn't talked that much, but everything had worked, right? All the ideas I had um, worked, and I got elected class president. And I'm not, like, looking at that like, oh, look at me. I got elected class president. I was really happy that I was able to convince my peers that you can look to me to help. I'm going to do my best job. And I convinced the room people that I was the person that could be that person, right? And that's a skill that, you know, I'm able to carry out the rest of my life. I feel like I'm usually in situations I can convince people that I'm the person because I do put my heart into it and I do try. Um, and I think that that counts for a lot, right? If you don't have all the skills, you don't maybe have the certifications or the diploma, yada, yada, I think people do genuinely respect when it's time for people to pick someone, pick a leader, pick someone to do something. If you put your heart into it and you serve them as that leader, you don't try to be a boss, you don't try to be egotistical about it. Um, yeah, people seem to react to that kind of thing. So, and it was all genuine. You know, I was and I was so happy that they picked me. Right, it was a very very great moment, um, and that's something that you know. I like to like throw out there. The caveat to that story, people that I, have, I, I don't want to tell it because I don't want to get into like you know, other people and saying anything negative. But when I tell that story, people will be upset if I didn't tell the ending of it. The true ending of the story is one of the candidates, supposedly, rumor has it, ran out the auditorium. They were so pissed off that I had won. And they ran up to the main hallway where their big expensive picture was hanging and they ripped it down. Now, I don't know if that happened. That's the rumor. And because those pictures are a part of it, that's like if you're telling the movie, you got to tell that story. Because that picture versus my little my little cheap printed, you know, it had to be upsetting for that person because they were the person that's supposed to win probably. Um, they had the most money. They had the most prestige. They were popular in the sense where everyone knew they were elite. They had an elite status. Again, much love to that person. Um, no, no negativity. I've talked to that person since then and everything was great, all kinds of love. Um, but we're kids and we were both really invested and they did everything they could to win. And I did everything I could to win. Um, and yeah, and the truth is, that person was also the same person who said, Oh, I guess anyone could run, right? I think if they were fair, if they look back on it, they would realize that they were a little mean to me in that situation. And it worked out the way it worked out. So. That's what it is. The people picked and they picked me. So it's not a bragging thing or anything like that. Again, great person. Not trying to speak ill of that person at all. Much love. Um, But that's the story and that's how the story went. You know, I would love to, you know, I wish I could sit down and have that conversation with that person and see what their take was on that story. But we can't do that anymore. So we're going to hop into the commercial break when i come back we're going to talk about how did i get a start in music how did that go on to do 100 songs for 10 years right with friends people close to me and a record label and hiring people and all this stuff and how does all this happen um and then at some point i get into a stunt team right i actually start a stunt team I'm, i'm running a stunt team the syndicate stunt team Um, And we're trying to make movies and go to Japan and be in a stunt team or be on a show, uh, a Power Rangers kind of TV show. How did all that happen? If you stick through the commercial break and help me support my channel, um, I appreciate it. And that's what we'll get into as soon as we get back. And we are back. Again, this week we are talking about Reconnecting with the past, going through a little trip down memory lane, trying to find those moments in your story, in your life story that you would hope live on, that you would tell the people, ones that maybe you like telling the people and your friends always ask you to tell that story again, that sort of thing. And um, I'm going to go ahead and touch on my time when I was doing music, or at least how that whole thing started, and also the stunt team that I was involved in, or, you know, whatever you you say it, basically. Both, Both fun stories, both things. Every time I meet a new person who doesn't know me, if they come across these stories, they always love these stories. So if you stuck in this long through the podcast, thank you so much, and we'll hop right into it. Making music, right? How did I get into making music? So I was in high school. I believe I was a senior at the time, right? So this was around the time that I, I became class president. Um, but before that whole thing kind of started, um, I had met a really close friend, or, or I, he became a close friend by the time I had met a guy. Um, and I, you know, now that I think about it, when did I actually meet him? So I believe he was a few years younger than me. Maybe one year younger than me. So I think I might have been... Let's say for the sake of the story, I guess I might have actually been in 11th grade. Yeah, yeah. So my how it worked in my school was we had these like shops and I was in like a kitchen shop, right? Culinary Arts. Um, and, you know, when I became an upperclassman, which is 11th and 12th grade, I believe he was technically an underclassman. He was like one year behind or one year under me. I think that's how that whole thing went. And we had like a morning, you know, room, like a, a homeroom that we would be, be in together and then they would separate us and we go do other things. But we, we all worked in the kitchen. So you still ended up working with like all four grades of people were in the same place doing something in the kitchen. And I met a guy and he had made his own CD. So to put a timestamp on this, we're talking about early 2000. This is before YouTube. This is before SoundCloud. Um, this is before... I think Apple computers went into, like, a lot of people's homes. This is before the iPhone. This is before the iPad, right? So, like, at the time, I think PlayStation 1 was was out, right? And he made his own CD, which seemed impossible, right? I remember thinking that. Like, that's just incredible. Like, how are you making music? And a very quiet guy, very nice guy, kept to himself, I felt like. Um... And it was so impressive. I think someone had mentioned, or I was in the hallway. We used to get changed for shop because we worked in the kitchen. We had like a locker room kind of area, and someone had mentioned that he had made an album, or maybe I don't know. By the way, I overheard this, and I was like, "What? Like, how did you make an album?" And sure enough, I think he might have had like three songs on it, like a, a CD he had burnt himself, right? And it was it was just incredible. It was incredible listening to someone who you knew standing in front of you who made a song. I mean. Mixtapes and stuff, I guess, were out at the time, but like I don't think local people really had discovered the technology to make mixtapes. It was kind of like artists that maybe had more money or they were they, they knew what to do, what he was doing. It was just a more rare thing. I feel like two or three years after this. Um, maybe some more people started kind of getting into this, but again, it was it was a much rare like one person in your entire city, maybe if you're in Philadelphia, which is a, more of an entertainment city, maybe like five, ten people. I feel like it, it wasn't that big of a thing yet. Well, like nowadays, everyone can be a SoundCloud rapper, right? This is this is well almost twenty years ago, I guess we're talking about here. So he has a music, he has his album, and I'm I'm interested in it because I had been writing poetry since I was a freshman so for about two or three years. I, write, I was writing poetry, and that evolved into me thinking I could possibly have a career as a ghost writer, um, because now if you if you never seen me somehow, I think I think that's impossible. But if you look at me, I'm you know I'm I grew up in the city, and I mentioned this earlier too in the podcast. So I'm half Puerto Rican, half white, right? That's that's like my identity now. At the time, I didn't know that. I thought I was all Puerto Rican. I didn't know my father, right? I didn't know my real father anyway. I did one on his ancestry DNA and 23andMe a little plug there, even though they're not paying me, that'd be nice if I got some payment for them, I could be their poster child, right, Um, but I don't get paid by any of those guys, but yeah, I found out that I actually, you know, I confirmed some suspicions that um, my father was different than the father, I thought it was my father, yada, 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 and I thought, well, you know, I look white, right, pretty much, most people think I look white, some people realize I'm Puerto Rican, it's up for debate to some people, right, but I thought at the time, this again early 2000s, I think Eminem was out, but that was like one in a million, right? Like it, nowadays, you know, in 2021, anyone of any culture or background could be a rapper. At the time, it seemed like that was not likely. So I had been writing ghost raps. I would write raps for other artists, and I'd write it in their style and how I thought they would like, you know, a rap to be written. I thought, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm, I like writing. I wrote my speech and all that kind of stuff. I knew I liked writing. I wrote books at this time. I didn't finish any books. I was I would write short stories, basically. Let's put it that way. And I tried to write books. Never finished any books. Um, and I, I knew I had an interest in acting and film because I had got a chance to, when I was in eighth grade, a little bit younger, to act with some friends that went to film school. Um, they were older friends, much older than me. Um, I was like a child actor kind of thing. I, I tried that. It was not like a career. Just like, um, you know, showing up for help them with school projects and stuff like that. I really did... Enjoy that process, and thought I had a, a knack for that. But I thought on my own, by myself, all I probably could do was ghost write. And I think I had showed him, or he might have saw me writing lyrics, or I might have showed him a poem. I don't know, but I think that interests him, because I guess most people weren't walking around writing poetry and trying to write ghost raps or something like that. But he he had been rapping for years on his own, so and he invited me to his house, and I had never gone to anyone else's house in school. Um, and I remember getting on his bus after school. I think, like, I was even afraid, like, can I get on your bus? Like, are they going to chat? I don't even know what was going to happen. I never even tried it, right? Um, but I think I got on his bus. I went to his house in a part of Canada I would never really been to. And, you know, I just go to his house, and he's super nice. And um, I'll never forget, you know, he, he gave me his microphone, and he shows me his setup. He had, like, a computer in his room. He actually was using the PlayStation 1, which is why I mentioned it and why I remember there was a game called the MTV Music Generator. I think part two was the one he used. And he was making full-on beats. Like, he could sit down at this point and listen to a beat on a radio. And he could make something that was very similar. Like, the, musically, it was exactly the same. The sound quality of the PlayStation versus a professional beat, they didn't sound like that same. But you could tell, like, those are the same drums and those are the same melodies. And he, he could do the whole thing just by listening to it. And he knew how to play piano and all this stuff. So I'm like, one of the most interesting kids I'd ever met at the time, right? And he let me, like, rap. I never heard myself try to rap. And then he asked me to freestyle. I'm horrible at freestyling because I write everything. I think everything out. You know, I can talk, I guess, freestyle. But I, I never, I can't rhyme. And I never tried that. I like writing stories. My raps are typically stories. And at the time, I, had, I didn't even have raps. I had wrote raps for other people. So I didn't even think about writing raps for myself or anything. And he let me like freestyle so I can hear my voice, and I hated my voice at the time, um, especially for rap. It didn't sound like cool or whatever. I like DMX a lot, so I I don't sound anything like DMX. Um, but that was the start, right? That created a possibility. He's like, hey, you know, if you want to, you should try to write a rap for you, and then we could try to make a song. And that changed everything. That 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 ended up being what I did for the next ten years. Um, you know, it was, I remember going to school throughout that time period. We recorded a whole album, um, and then he had gotten some money, and he had, like, upgraded his studio. He got better equipment. I think at this point, he started actually making music on a music workstation, which was, like, a tri at the time, was, pretty, pretty, I guess, popular. Um, and he was importing that into his, this other program he had on his computer. So he got away from the PlayStation, and he had evolved, and we decided to, like, re-record that whole album again it was very cool because at that point I thought, well, you know, his, this guy is musical genius, um, but I've always felt like I had a knack for business. And I was taking entrepreneurship the next year, and it's my senior year, and I thought, well, I'm going to go to business school, right? I'm going to try to go to a trade school for business. I want to try to put together a record label. I think we can do it, right? And that kind of fed into that project I mentioned earlier when I was making the, you know, how do you have a recording studio? My idea was instead of trying to buy a recording studio for us or pay someone else, if I could build a recording studio that other people could rent out and they could like charge it and it could be financially stable on its own, we then would also have access to a recording studio that we didn't have to pay for, right? We've, we had a good business model and we can get the loan from the bank. They're not gonna give it to us just for us, but if we could charge other people to come use it, when they're not using it and we're not booking people, um, we would have the ability to have a recording studio. So that was that plan. So that whole thing... Became us trying to end up finding other rappers and you know working on albums and doing that whole thing. Eventually it led to me being able to direct you know for the first time as a as a adult maybe like my nineteen twenties. I did some music videos for those those artists and um you know and trying to make that into a record label with with all again no money no resources really just little little things we had to get by. I think at one point. I took um, my first time. I got my ability to get hands some credit cards. I took out like four or five credit cards, and maxed them all out like the first day, and bought like thousands of dollars, maybe four or five thousand dollars of uh, equipment, and put it all in my bedroom. Which and nothing really came from that on my end because I wasn't good at making music. I liked rapping, and I would rap on like some other people's beats sometimes, but that wasn't really the process. I really enjoyed working with him and working in his studio with him and all the music he would come up with. He really inspired me. I thought together as a team, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, That went on for about 10 years. And that led to a lot of stories within there, right? I can't cover them all in the podcast. It's a decade worth of stories. Some standouts were, you know, um, another one was that we had like a contest that we had done. These are stories I tell probably the most out of all these stories, where like it was a contest. Um, He had left to a creative arts school at some point. He was the only kid who got to transfer into a creative arts school as a senior. Typically, you come in as a freshman maybe a sophomore but as a senior they let him go in because he already knew so much about music they didn't really have to teach him they kind of just was able to showcase him and use him as if they taught him um and they, i'm sure he learned some other things there too while he was there but he was already so polished before he got there and the during that year i had already graduated because i'm a year you know he's a year younger than me so when he was a senior i'm out of school um he had a contest in his school in his creative art school that was something to like make a commercial for bike helmet safety, which, was, which is cheesy, right? But again, using my cleverness, I thought, you know, if we try to approach that, like, what's wrong with those commercials, those rap commercials and stuff? They always come off cheesy and preachy, right? I was like, well, how, well, I was like why don't we take a song that we know works, right? At the time, Ja Rule had a song out that was called Clap Back, which is about like killing people, basically. Um, and the tone and cadence of that song was tougher, right? So we didn't go. He didn't choose sounds that were that tough, but we had had a, you know harder drums, and it was very similar to clap back in a way. But the, the melody and stuff is different, so you can't get sued or anything like that, right? It was. It's still like the point is creatively. That was my cleverness saying, hey, we need to go this route. Let's. This is this is problematic. This is going to look stupid and corny, but if we do this in a funny, lighthearted kind of way, this might work. So I wrote the lyrics. I wasn't able to participate in the contest officially because I wasn't in the school, but he was. So he, was, he wasn't, like, crazy about doing, that, doing it, I don't think. I think he thought, like, hey, maybe we should try to do this. So he made the beat. I wrote the lyrics, and he performed it, and he did a great job. And Juan is, is, is really funny when it comes to, like, he has a voice, and his character can be very um, eccentric and fun, a lot of energy. So he was great. It was just, again, like, one of those things where, like, the idea just works so well, right? So the song is about bike helmet safety, and it is definitely has some cheesy qualities to it because of the subject. But like, it it, it just worked. He, He had a great flow. He had great mic presence. I wrote the lyrics out, you know, and I sat down, I listened to a lot of songs and tried to think, you know, what is too much? What's too far? How can we do something that doesn't sound that bad? And then he did it like it was kind of like silly, right? So The beat was good, his his mic presence and everything, and we won the contest. It was a statewide contest, Um, and it was our first money we ever made from hip hop, right? We got a check for like five hundred bucks, something like that, from the people who bought it. I guess they aired it on a radio. It'd been awesome to hear it, but I guess the radio it was for like some some company or like a charity or something like that that they cared about bike helmet safety. So I don't know where they aired it, but I guess someone had heard it. They paid us for it, right? Um, and that was one of the coolest things, to get money and have people who are, again, complete strangers pick you, right? Say, yeah, that that was the song. That was one of those moments thinking, oh, my God, like, my, my, my ability to think of ideas, my cleverness, right? How to approach a situation with little resources. This goes into my independent filmmaking, right? These are, it goes into a lot of ways I approach things. I don't like to go into something and take on a whole bunch of debt because that, that was a bad idea when I was in my early 20s. I went bankrupt from that, right? I filed bankruptcy. I was like, I ain't paying that back, right? I I, just, I I was like, I'm early in my life. I'll I'll take the ten years bankruptcy, and then if I need to buy a house in my 30s, I'll fix my credit then, right? But right now, I'm young. I'm trying to get these things done. I'm not I'm not worried about that stuff. And yeah, and it was it was a very fun process. And I mean, like I said, it's been, it was a decade. So just, I could talk about that all day. Um, so many different other great moments we had, different opportunities we had, things we got to you know experience. And that's what I always want to say to young people when they're talking about, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? I don't know what I want to be. I find, you know, you pick something and go for it, right? You always can change your mind. You can always go back to it, right? Recently, I've been feeling more inspired to do music. I sometimes sit down and play with it. Never really found anything I really wanted to do recently Um, because I had such a great time just working with him and the friends I had there. It was such a, a fun experience working with those kind of people and their creativity. I can understand how, like, a band might break up or an artist, like, leaves a band and then it's not the same because the energy isn't the same anymore, right? And I guess that has to happen at some point. But um, the, that other artist or whoever, they have to refine themselves and, and come up with some other kind of way to go about it because it was just such a joy. You know, I would feed off of. Everything that everyone that was involved in that, that process of our life would do, and it would lead to other inspirations. And I loved also seeing each other's music, right? When I make music now and I put it out online, you know, if someone sees it, they don't see it, it's like I'm talking to no one, right? It's difficult to have that feeling. I guess at some point you would hope if you had a following that someone was there to see it, but it feels like no one sees it. Like it's all in my imagination, which is not really that fun. Um, Cause I like the attention. I'm not gonna lie, right? I like going out there and, and getting those praise from the, you know, the speeches and stuff like that. When you put in that work, you want to know not only for like ego. It's not ego so much. It's more like, am I real, right? D- d- does someone else like this? Like I mentioned for the contest, it was nice to know a committee chose us and paid us, and they didn't know who we were. So I felt like it was unbiased. If I put out something and my my friends like it, um, that's cool. But they might be biased because they they love me, right? We're friends. If I put out something with these guys, they were artists, but we kept it real, right? That was a real, real important part of our friendship and our music was it's an honesty. And and you can know if you're doing good or not doing good based on that honesty. So without them really around anymore, it's difficult sometimes for me to know, do I want to go this way or that way? Um, Because musically, I really enjoyed that for such a long time. But that was, that was what that whole point was about, and that's me understanding that now, and you're know, reflecting and saying, okay, well, how can I move forward from that, what I'm going to do with it? So I still want to do music. At some point, it's just not a priority. It's not something I plan on making a career out of. I like the film thing. I did like making music videos. That was one of my biggest things where I felt like, okay, now I'm I'm really good at this, right? I'm okay at rap. I think I'm decent at rap. I, I think sometimes I could be good at rap. But when I'm making a film and I'm directing, when I'm directing especially, you know, writing is, is always something I have to really put a lot of skill into. Like, I have to learn the skill and work on the craft of writing. That's a craft. It's something that um, I can write short stories. That's a skill. That's, like, my talent there. But crafting it into a screenplay um, or into, like, an actual book or something like that, that takes... I, do, I use a lot of um, technique when it comes to that, right? I go to school I learn from people who know how to do it. I take those techniques and I really try to apply myself because it doesn't come as natural to me to make it into, you know, the, a professional thing that you would buy, basically. So with music, and there's a lot of more things that happen naturally there, a lot of honest stories and stuff. I really do love my old music because that was all honest and stuff. But now as an adult trying to figure out as an entertainer, you know, how do you want to entertain people? I don't always know as much with music, but I know with with, with film. With film, I there's no question there. And that's really the route that I I focus on now. But I'll use that to lead into the last story about the stunt team, right? So as we're making music, I think about seven years into making music, towards the tail end of that period, um, I had a friend who wanted to be a stuntman, right? And he had a a good idea. I thought it was a good plan. Um, He wanted to go to Japan to participate in a TV show that's called Kamen Rider, right? Or uh, Kamen Rider. It's like Power Rangers. Uh, it's based on usually like one ranger t- t- instead of like the whole five. Um, and they have a school you can go to. Um, lots of people go to this school to be a stuntman. If you're not going to be one of the actual like main characters, there's lots of work and other kinds of stunts need to be done. And they shoot these shows. There's like at sometimes like 12 of these shows on air at the same time. There's lots of stuntmen doing lots of work for lots of different characters. So it could become something you can do as a living. I don't know if it makes a lot of money, but he didn't care. He really wanted to live in Japan and be a stuntman. And I thought for him, one of the unique things that I thought would stand out was he looked different than everybody, right? So he's an American, he was taller, um, and he showed me some examples of other Americans he had found on some of the shows. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. There's not a lot of them, you know, you go over there, you could do this, so... We got together and we got any friends who thought they might want to be involved and we started working out and trying to meet up to like practice karate practice martial arts for the film the the for the purpose of doing film right not so we could beat each other up really it was trying to do like choreo- uh, choreography right or um choreograph fight scenes and stuff like that which was great because it gave me a chance to try to direct a little bit outside of music videos um and then also got we were getting physically active and stuff like that. None of us were really – well, some of us were in good shape, but none of us were like in fighting shape. None of we weren't fighters. But I, I did firmly believe with you know repetition, doing it over and over again, just like music, I had learned that you can get better at this. I had got better at music over the years. So I thought, okay, we'll start off with the stunt team, and we'll see how this goes. That gave us a lot of opportunities to figure things out. I remember trying to figure out like how to find mats. My um uh, my my father my stepfather, um he worked at like a medical facility. I think he was able to get me like a few mats that they used because they like they had like like leftover mats or they would like repurpose things. So he got me some like some kind of gymnasium mats which are super expensive apparently. But he was able to get me some. They were like secondhand. We cleaned them up and stuff like that. And we would go to a park and like try to flip over and fall on the mats and stuff. All this stuff was with no instruction. No one teaching us how to do this. This is us taking our. Our Saturday afternoon or whenever and just trying to figure this stuff out I got a full-time job right we're all working Um, and yeah just taking our cameras our cell phones whatever we had I think I had a basic camera still from when um we had got the camera for doing music videos and just trying to figure things out right and I really love that period because you walk out into a a grassy field and you don't know what you're going to do and then you and your friends start trying to think of okay how can we make a movie uh, how can we make a fight scene for a movie, right? What will we'll go into that? And it was fun filming stuff, going home, trying to learn how to edit it, right? Trying to edit a fight scene is different than editing a music video or a movie. And then seeing how that turned out, how far we could go, and then going again and trying again. And I think the three or four little short videos we had made, I think they were getting better over time. I think by the end of it, I was using Adobe Premiere, which is a professional movie-making program. I still use Premiere um, now. Um, I had um, I think I was getting better quality out of the cameras. We were understanding more the fight scenes. I even one time got to dabble with After Effects. Just one effect I got to do, but I got to see what the the project was like, trying to make an effect, seeing how that works. Um, it was a great time, a great way to like expose yourself and a, a reason to try those things out and to learn about them. So. I learned a lot through that. And ultimately, the stunt team, uh, like, like a lot of things, they, they dissolve, right? People go to different places in their life. People had different things they had to do. People moved away and stuff, and we couldn't keep doing it. But it was it was a eye-opening experience for me because I learned, yes, I do have a passion for filmmaking. I didn't have a passion, per se, just for doing stunts all the time. Um, and I also realized an important lesson was being with all your friends And trying to be a director, at least. Because in the director role, you are the leader role. You have to direct. You have to tell people, this is what we're going to do. That's difficult when you're working with all friends. Because you're just a guy in a a group of people, right? So, they might not realize that you're a director, right? Or they might not realize what that job is even for. Um, You might have, you know, different kind of ideas going on at the same time. that clash. And it's all for fun. So, like, no one's in charge, right? No one's paying the money or whatever. Um, So... It, it's, it showed me that that's a problem I have to deal with. I have to learn how to put myself in a position where if I'm making a film, you know, do I always have to work with friends? Do I have to find people who don't know me who can come in and see me fresh and see that I am the director, right? How do you do that? How do you move yourself into that position? And that's a lot with the podcast and all the work I've been doing over the last few years have been about is learning from those, those other th- experiences that didn't play this whole way out and keep on improving and say, okay, well now in the future, this is how I'm going to go about setting those things up, you know, and that's why it's important to sometimes reconnect with the past, right? That's the theme of this episode this week, because I think that you can find those those lessons there, and it can apply to things that you're doing now. I definitely know that, you know, in our office politics, if you have an office job, I learned, you know, that there's politics when I was running for a class president, right? How to understand and connect with people how to talk to people how not to talk to people right how things you say in a moment could come back to bite you four or five months later um that's that's something you have to be more careful about right i learned about you know public speaking there's there's entire you know organizations dedicated to help you learn how to be a public speaker those are skills that i was learning as a kid you know trial and error getting the experience and that's i think the most important thing is experience a lot of times we are the thinking man we just think we think about something. We try to understand something intellectually, and how to become it, and that, that, is, that is an important process. But you have to know when to cut that off and go into the doing. Person, you have to be, become realized. I heard that a term on Fargo. There's a, it's kind of a joke, but it, I do think it's real. Where they there, there's a character on Fargo, and they they're listening to like a self help tape or something like that, and it says like you know, are, are do you think you are who you are, or are you who you are? Are you actualized? Have you actually become? this person that's in your head are you living this out every single day or for some reason you're doing something else right i thought that's really important and you get that i think through experience and then you do through thinking about who you want to be but then at some point you have to stop thinking about that and just start being that person being that thing so i think a lot of times when i was doing the stunt team stuff i thought i was a director and they were my friends and i didn't have that personality to be like oh i'm in charge and stuff that wasn't really me Um, But there's a lot of people that are giving their free time, free dedication to it. You can't really demand a lot from people when they're coming in. And that's the spirit of the whole thing. And it's hard to keep something like that going. With music, I thought that was also a great balance. I had a good relationship with my partner where he had his roles, I had my roles, and we knew what to do. And it kind of just always clicked and worked that way uh, for as long as it did. And that's something we enjoyed doing a whole lot for a long period of time. And, he's, and this ends up being my life and different things that I said to hope I could to tell my kids and they learn from these stories and they pass them down. So whatever things they run into or if they have kids one day or they have grandkids, they can say, hey, yeah, you know, you had a grandfather, great, great grandfather, whatever. And this is what a story he had, and some things that he had went through. And hopefully they can apply those concepts to whatever it is they're doing, because I think those rules are universal. Right. I always try to look back on things and find those universal truths that exist through all things. So you might think you can't learn anything from a stunt team or experience of running a stunt team. I don't think that's true. There's always dynamics, social dynamics between people. There's always, you know, discipline, learning things, you know, seeing how, you know, being, being too familiar, being too close to people sometimes, you know, you, you, it could be a problem. But with my, my music career, uh, not career, but my music time period of my life, um, that, that was with close friends and it worked pretty well. Uh, It's just different dynamics, different people, if they're, you know, able to do those things and and how long those things can go on for. And I hope you guys are able to look back on your things and, you know, same thing. If you want to DM me or talk to me, go ahead and send me a message. I would love to hear about your stories. If you got a podcast going, I see some people are maybe doing a podcast now. Some other friends are starting a podcast up. That is awesome. I hope you guys do that. I'm definitely going to tune in and listen to them. I mean, I think everyone, like in my commercial for Anchor, I genuinely mean that. It's been such a great experience doing the podcast, getting into the habit of, of trying to develop content every week. And also, it gives me a great time to look back on these things and record them, not just for everyone, but for myself. I listen to the podcast myself, and I get to say, oh, this is what this is like. And then trying to get better at podcasting gives you that feeling that you're doing something, right? So, I mean, you can do it all kinds of ways. Sometimes I do it from my phone. I do have um, some equipment that I purchased, um that you can invest in later on if you want to but definitely i recommend just getting started and jumping in the podcast one of the first things in my life i can honestly say i went from the thinking man to the doing man quickly and that's me because i did it earlier in my life where i did talk about the podcast on and off for like two years more as a concept but then when i decided i wanted to do the podcast i just started doing it and i think they've gotten better over the weeks And I know they will keep getting better in the future because that's experience. That's the process. Sitting around thinking and talking forever is not going to finish you being what you want to be. You have to eventually get out there, take the lumps, take the losses, do bad, get ridiculed, learn from it, and then improve and keep on going and become who you say you are in your mind, right? You have to live that out. That's a very difficult thing to do. I'm not completely there. I'm not completely actualized, as the character on Fargo was saying. Um, But I'm working on it, and hopefully you guys are enjoying this whole thing. I really dig it. I do see you guys still showing up on the statistics. I appreciate everyone who's listening and sharing. And, yeah, and you guys get to say you were here when it all started because the podcast has been doing very steady this whole year. And maybe next year I'll start maybe buying ads or trying to put things out or paying guests to show up on the show um, that'd be cool, too. It's going to keep on growing because that's what it is. It's experience, repetition, learning, improving, looking back for a second, and then going on into the future, living in the now, going towards the future, right? You guys have a great week. I feel like this was a good episode. I really enjoyed it so much. I hope you guys are digging it. I hope you guys take care. Peace. <laughs>